You're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. This episode was specifically designed to introduce you to Andrew Cron. Andrew's going to spend the next six months with the St. Ben's community as a ministry intern. As I say in the conversation I share with Andrew, usually when you think of intern, it's somebody brand new, maybe just midway through their formation in ministry. But he comes to us with 10 years of ministry experience in the context of Fort Gary Evangelical Mennonite Fellowship, where he served primarily in youth ministry, but not narrowly so. Educated at Providence College and then Providence Theological Seminary, finally at the Canadian Mennonite University, Andrew's facing now a period of time where studies are finished, his ministry at Fort Garry has come to an end, and he wants to deepen his sense of the wider church by immersing himself in the life and ministry of our community. Doesn't mean that he's stopped being a Mennonite and moving on to Anglicanism. No, it's, it's really a sense that he wants to learn from our tradition and then take some of those learnings back to his Anabaptist roots. At the same time, we're interested in seeing what we can learn from him. Now, Mennonites are no strangers to St. Ben's. There are a lot of people coming from Mennonite and Anabaptist backgrounds. But this is a really a kind of a unique opportunity for the formation of somebody in ministry and deepening the understanding of our own ministry as a community. We sat down, duly physically spaced, thanks to COVID, and shared a conversation to introduce you to Andrew, to what makes him tick, what he cares about, and what he hopes to learn Hope you enjoy this conversation. Andrew, thanks for taking the time to sit down this morning for a bit of a conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. When we use the word intern, people typically think of that as being somebody at the beginning of a a particular vocation or, or career. And in a church context, if I think of an intern, it's somebody maybe midway through theological studies doing field placement or brand new graduate from theological studies in the Anglican world. You're traditionally anyways have done what's called a curacy. You're, a, you're an associate with an experienced priest. But you're coming to us not as a newbie. You're coming with some, some deep ministry experience and not in the Anglican tradition. Talk to me a little bit about your background, where you've come from, education, what you've done in ministry. Sure. Um, so background, I grew up in the, the Evangelical Mennonite Conference, which is a small group of, of Mennonite churches in, in Canada. I think there's about 66 churches across mostly Western Canada. And my dad pastored in, in that conference while I was growing up. Uh, my parents were missionaries when I was very little in, in northern Mexico. And then when I, I, I went to, to school at, at Providence College and got a, a bachelor degree in biblical and theological studies, and, and I went to uh, work at Fort Gary EMC uh, after attending there for some time already, actually. And, and I worked there for, for 10 years, mostly as a, as a youth pastor. Um, it was an associate pastor role. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the beginning I think it started out as supposed to be about two thirds time doing doing work with the youth and youth programming intentionally and then one one third I think was described as other duties as assigned oh yes and then by the by the time uh, at the end of the the ten years it was about 50 50 50 doing youth work and then and then other work as well um, by the end I was preaching about once a month and and involved in the the worship planning and and leading and as, as well as other other committee work and I, I finished up that position September first last year, twenty nineteen, and okay. went back to went back to school. I've been working slowly on a on an MDiv at Providence Theological Seminary. Uh, I switched over to to CMU um, largely because I could get things done a little quicker there. Now, and for people not from the Winnipeg Manitoba context, sure. Providence Theological College is or Theological Seminary is part of. Providence University College, which is about half an hour south of Winnipeg. CMU is the Canadian Mennonite University, which is right in Winnipeg. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and I was I, I was excited. I, I hadn't. I grew up in an Anabaptist tradition, but I'd never taken any any Anabaptist uh, theological training in a in a formal capacity. So I was excited for that at, at CMU. Um, geographically, it was closer to where we were living at the time. Yep. And and I was I switched into an, an MA program that was a two year and I was able to finish up uh, just this last August finished up the the rest of my my coursework and program requirements and and now entered a, a season where because of COVID uh, there's not a lot of transitions happening in in churches so yes. I'm looking for looking for pastoral work and and also. We, we realized we were at a place where we thought we would be financially very strapped, but realized we had felt like God had been taking care of us, uh, watching out for us after or through the, the, the year of, of schooling and, and realized we had enough financial stability with my wife's work to enter a, a period of, of rest and of looking sort of earnestly not for what God would have us do next not just snatching up whatever the, the first thing might be and and I felt a calling just to, to have my have an open disposition for for what might what might come and what might be available what might happen which is a lovely place to be in when you're not under that pressure to leap into the first the first ministry position available but can can breathe and discern and be and continue to form and learn. Mm -hmm. It's great. For um, lots of St. Ben's people will be fairly well versed in uh, the Mennonite world. We have lots of people coming from that background. Lots of other people who listen to these podcasts won't necessarily have a lot of familiarity with the Mennonite world. What gives the Evangelical Mennonite Conference its flavor as opposed to Mennonite Church Canada or the Mennonite Brethren Church? I think the first thing I would say, and other EMCers might might not say it, but the first thing I will say is that it's small. Um, and it's in it's in its DNA. They used to call themselves the Kleine Gemeinde, which is a low German word for the small the little church, the small okay. church. And they they had broken off of the Grosse Gemeinde, which is the big church. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's and it's still small. It thinks of itself with with some humility. It doesn't intend to make big grand changes in in the world around it. It's not it's not 
intent on having, you know, massive political influence or things like that. They think of themselves, I think, on the whole as being simple, simple people called to simple faith, um, engaging with their their immediate neighbors around them, as well as it's it's had a significant evangelistic presence in in Central America and Mexico. Okay. And so I, I think simplicity, uh, community are, are important parts of, of the EMC, as well as traditional Anabaptist uh, theological components, such as, as, as pacifism yeah, and um, a strong Christological reading of, of, of the scripture, uh, as well as a, a keen sense of, of the, the community being called to read and interpret scripture together. Oh, that's great. Thank you. You're about to embark on roughly an eight-month internship with St. Ben's. We are a congregation within the Anglican Church of Canada. So in some very different starting points right away, Anabaptist would be kind of all about adult baptism. And in our context, infant baptism is, is, is part of the picture. Although at St. Ben's, I've done at least as many adult baptisms as infant mm-hmm. baptisms. That's part of our unique story. But in coming into this internship, what is it that you are looking to learn? And maybe what might your hopes be in terms of taking some of that back to your own familiar EMC sort of context? So one of the places I find myself out of sync with EMC theology, I I would consider myself, I don't even know if this is a word, uh, but uh, a sacramentalist. Um, it is, that's a word. That's a word. Okay. Um, and uh, the EMC doesn't have sacraments. It has ordinances. Um, they used to have three ordinances. So they just shaved it down to two. So it's communion, we would call it, and baptism. And then yeah. the third ordinance that, that we did have until very recently was foot washing. Okay. And there's still EMC churches that practice foot washing on a, on a regular basis as a liturgical worship yeah. practice. And for quite some time, I, I've just been unconvinced, maybe I should say, that, that these are, are sort of only memorial acts or, or only symbolic gestures that, that don't have any, any deeper connections to the, the work and grace of, of the Trinity. Um, and yeah, the classic definition in Anglicanism is that a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Hmm. And that in in participating, Christ is is in the Eucharist specifically. Christ is made present to the people in that shared act. What we hesitate to do is to define the mechanics of that, which is actually lovely because you can you can have a whole breadth of interpretations within the tradition, but it still remains an outward and visible sign. Of this inward and spiritual grace which sounds like that's kind of the way you're leaning that right and and I think the just the opportunity to soak in in that tradition mm-hmm. a little bit and and get a it's it's one thing to to read different theologies and, and read about different church practices and and another to to just be immersed in it a bit and let it let it cultivate or and see where see where that leads so that's what I'm that's what I'm interested in uh, a, a bit of an opportunity to, to soak in in those those kinds of practices especially the um, 
so it's sacramental practices, also the way um, St. Ben's practices its liturgy and, and the way Anglicans look at prayer um, and, and the way they read scripture, you know, th- those are all, those are all different mm-hmm. uh, than, than the Anabaptist tradition I grew up in. And, and I think there's a lot of richness there to be, to be siphoned out. And I have this space and time and opportunity to, to spend uh, soaking in, in something. Why wouldn't I take advantage of that? Mm. Of course, it's an odd year to be doing it simply because at this point, in-person gatherings have not resumed and in this part of the world, uh, the restrictions have tightened up uh, again. And so there's some really, really hard discerning going on amongst Rachel and I as priests, but other, other leaders in the church as to when and how we can resume more normal sacramental practice fearing of course it's going to be a while till everything's back to normal so in a sense it's a strange year for you to be with us in another sense it's an interesting one because in our conversations about how we might do those things and what are priorities and what we're missing and longing for that'll also give you a great sense of okay that's what informs those practices Mm. and you can dig in with the online stuff with us and uh you know, talk to computer. Yeah. <laughs> Find that singing to my MacBook is something I never anticipated doing. And there I am twice a week singing to my MacBook. That's all good. Uh, what do you suppose uh, you might have to, in a sense, teach us? Like, I see this, the interdenominational possibilities, ecumenical possibilities of the age in which we live as being really exciting. I, I didn't grow up in the Anglican Church. Uh, I was My youth was spent first in a Presbyterian church and then in broadly evangelical, non-denominational congregation and went to high school at the Mennonite Brethren Collegiate here in Winnipeg. Hmm. So I have a bit of a breadth in my background, which ultimately landed me in Anglicanism. Rachel comes from a Mennonite Brethren background, but, but with other experiences as well because her family moved several times and in communities where there weren't necessarily MB churches. So both of us have got this little bit of diversity. So it won't be brand new when you talk about the dynamics of Anabaptism. And yet, from from your own place and commitments and learning, do you have something that you think you might bring across, even if it's just good questions? I feel like it's, it's tough for me to answer. What, what I want to say is I feel it's a bit like like when you get into a marriage, you don't really know what your own distinctives are until you start rubbing up against another person who's different from you in a closer, sort of intimate way. Yep. And 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 then you start to learn about about yourself and 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 what you have to offer. Not that you can't learn about yourself outside of a marriage relationship, but that's that's been my experience. Part of my hope is that this relationship would be something like that. That that in rubbing up against. Uh, St. Ben's, uh, that that some of my own distinctives would would start to to come out in in, in contrast or or in complementary sorts of ways, and I think early on it would only be guesses for me. Um, given your, I mean, you have we've said it a few times already quite a, quite a few Anabaptist uh, influences in your congregation already. The things that that I'm excited about that that I think 
St. Ben's is also excited about, but that I might bring a, a different EMC sort of flavor. Um, our hospitality and and how we practice hospitality and and what that what that means and, and how it how it might look um, in, in a congregation. I mean, I would, I would be very happy if if there'd be something Mennonite about the way I read uh, the canon Christologically mm. uh, that would that would come through and offer some some slightly different different perspectives. And the way we engage with the state, um, okay, and, yeah. and and political powers. Part of that, I'm interested in in coming into St. Ben's just to observe and, and see that uh, the Anglican Church has obviously this this deep, rich, um, and old relationship with with um, the Confederacy of Canada and and with the and before crown, that, for with the crown. Sake. Well, and then obviously before that, yeah. <laughs> Which so, some of us aren't entirely sure what to do with, but. right? You know, and my tradition just has has no anticipation of those kinds of relationships, or and no, um, and and even some trepidation, maybe, or of um, caution about how how we should engage in those kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that that could be make for some very interesting conversations along the way. That's good. That's good. One of one of the ways that people get a sense of who somebody is is often through answers to what might seem like relatively random questions. But I'm going to shoot three or four at you and just oh that okay that makes sense or wow that's interesting. I'd like to hear more. So what are you reading these days? Uh, so I'm in the middle of Malcolm Gladwell's last book, okay. uh, Talking to Strangers. I read some of Malcolm Gladwell's work before he started podcasting, but I got I started to get much more familiar with him when he, he started his podcast, um, Revisionist History. Yep. And so I've, I've gotten into into that book. Uh, he's, he al- he's always good for, for interesting insights into how people relate to one another and sort of social dynamics that's that's been engaging and then casually i i've picked up some jim butcher novels he's a like an urban fantasy writer okay okay it's not i'm not super proud but i, I thought i'd at least be honest oh that's, no that's, that's okay. what i've been okay. reading and i just finished reading with my boys uh the hatchet it's a story about a boy who's been in a plane crash in northern canada he survives by himself and, and he has to survive there for for quite some time. Um, and, and my boys got much more engaged in and excited in that story than than I was anticipating. So it was a lot of fun to read. That's great. Reading aloud is really fun with kids. Mm. Music. What do you listen to? I thought you might ask this question, so I thought about it. What what kind of? So with the advent of podcasting, yep, I stopped listening to to music on the radio or that sort of thing i feel a lot of people i feel those those like driving times or riding my bike or or mowing the grass you know those i I listen to podcasts i like i don't even know if this is the right genre i like listening to like crooners and and some like modern ones you know like michael buble or um i don't know if diana crawl would consider herself a crooner but But she's sort of a she's sort of a uh, what they call new standards yeah, in in the American Songbook. Yeah, yeah. So I like yeah. if 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 I want to be be comfortable and relaxed, and that's 
those are the kind of people I like to listen to. Well, and you gave me my next question without even thinking about it. What podcasts are you uh, typically listening to? Give me name two or three I'll, I'll, alongside Malcolm Gladwell. Sure. Um, I so some of my favorites are Reply All. Um, this American Life oh, very yes. often has really excellent podcasts. Um, Radio Lab. I know it well. And. Um, like Malcolm Gladwell started this podcasting company, Pushkin Industries. Yes. You know, virtually all of those, uh, I like uh, Michael Lewis's Against the Rules, I found to be pretty gripping. Yeah, that's good. That No, that's great. That helps fill in blanks. And the podcast people will be either smiling and nodding or they'll be looking for uh, <laughs> looking up those podcasts, which is good. It, it, But it's true. I think that casual radio listenership in the car or whatever really has taken a backseat to podcasting. I have a number of good friends from the church who just never listen to the radio at all anymore. But Which, podcasting is a radio-like thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can do it at your own time. Yeah. I had one of my one of my cousins who's a bit older than me. She, she challenged me. She said, but you're never going to learn anything local that way. Uh, which... Is true, which is true. So I, that's something I've been been thinking about a little bit. Well, you can you can turn on CBC at seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock sure. in the morning and get the, that news. You'd be fine. Yeah, or read the Saturday Free Press. It, it's good paper on Saturdays, you know. <laughs> and they, here's an even more random one: if 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 we were to have the COVID pandemic lifted tomorrow. Mm. And uh, to celebrate that, you and, and your wife decided to take the three kids away on a vacation. You, you, you had a voucher for two weeks anywhere Oh, dropped on your lap. Where would you love to go as a family? We're not in a place right now where I feel like we need a lot of relaxation and just, yeah. and just healing. We're not finding ourselves in, in that position. So I'd want to have an adventure. Um, we would love to, to take our boys, um, but finances and time, oh, yes. and now yeah, COVID, yeah, yeah. you know, but we would love to take our boys and, and traipse around, traipse around Europe. Um, we, my wife and I spent a little bit of time in England and Ireland and Germany and Italy, and I would love to go spend more time in, in sort of some of those German areas, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, and and just adventure with our boys and get lost and have adventures that that would be great well wait on the pandemic and start saving yeah <laughs> it, but, I, but i agree i mean i think the the gift of that kind of experience to kids at, at a formative period of their life is an education that's unparalleled by anything you could get in a classroom mm. you know so good on you well that's great it's good to be able to introduce you to people and uh those who tune in to the Sunday live streams or daily evening prayer will begin to see Andrew's face taking part in things and, and uh, he'll show up in other ways. And so now, folks, you've got the beginnings of an introduction. Andrew, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks very much for, for having me. I really appreciate your your open disposition and, and willingness to have, have somebody from the outside come in and, and become part of what you're doing and who you are. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we appreciate being able to do it. Thanks. Well, hopefully that gives you a bit of a picture of Andrew Cron and 
what he's hoping to learn, what he might bring to us as a community over the next eight months, you'll begin to see his face and hear his voice as he takes a turn at leading our daily evening prayer on Facebook Live. You'll also see him from time to time on Sunday nights. He'll always be there, but sometimes in a support and background role. He'll also be visible in some of the other kinds of gatherings that we do. You'll get to know him, even if for now we're not in person a whole lot. You'll get to know him, and hopefully in knowing him, you'll be part of his formation. It's going to be an interesting year be so much different if we were in regular normal mode to help him explore what the tradition brings. But then again, maybe in these unusual times, part of the challenge to us is to sort out what lies at our heart, at our center, and how best to do that under the circumstances. For more information on our church, to consider supporting our online work, I'd encourage you to go to stbenedictstable.ca. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.